Happy Resurrection Day. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome to the family room of the rock. Celebrate the greatest news ever heard. I'm going to start by reading Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. They returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they didn't believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. But I ask you this morning, why does this story matter? We, well, it's Easter. It's Easter. It's the, we do it every year. The thing with the eggs and the bunny and whatnot, it's, it matters. No, but why does it matter? Well, it's a story about somebody 2,000 years ago who died a horrible death. wasn't really his fault. He was paying a price. He was accused of, from the natural, he was just accused of things that weren't fair accusations. And they killed him for it. And then, according to what we just read... Maybe he lived again for a while. Everyone's looking at me, as rightly you should, saying like, what's going on with this guy? We're at church on Easter. What's the matter? My question is, I had ran a thousand things through my head to share at the very front end of the service this morning. And what we do every Easter is we come in guns blazing, don't we? We shout, he is risen, and then everybody says, he is risen indeed, and it's exciting. And most people don't ever stop to think why it matters. What is the significance of it? Well, because he was dead and then he was alive. So was Lazarus. And we don't ever preach exciting days of the year that are just about Lazarus being raised from the dead. What is the significance of this? It's huge, we're going to talk just a little bit about this today because for this to matter enough to pivot all of mankind on and our entire existence, we better understand it. Let's know why this matters. What's the significance? Most of us have heard that story at least once a year, maybe averaging them out, like maybe not quite once a year, but once every other year, almost the same verses. And we know that the women came to the tomb and we know a bunch of facts that we've heard other people say, and maybe we haven't dug down deep 
Maybe we have, maybe we haven't, but at the very, it can stay in the peripheral of our lives and we spend a lot of time in our society and our culture talking about a lot of traditional things. The sad thing to me as a believer today is that Jesus said, it's by the traditions of men that you make the word of no effect. We can gut the word of God. We can take and rip its power out and we can come and do tradition. We could be like the Elks Club or the Rock Club. That's a good club name. We could be the Rock. Club Rock. There's part of the thing and everybody, we do the dues thing. And be, but if we understand what took place in what we just read, this is the most pivotal moment. This is when spiritual potential energy goes kinetic. For the third time in all human history, spiritual potential energy goes kinetic. That's amazing. The first time, anybody known the first time was? Creation, God spoke, and spiritual energy that was all in potential form went kinetic, and boom, creation happened. The second time, when Jesus became flesh and blood, there was all sorts of prophetic and spiritual energy, and it went kinetic and became actual and became a heartbeat with a whole bunch of all sorts of parts to this little baby Jesus. And it was God became man. Potential spiritual energy became kinetic. And then this time, this time we just read about the greatest moment in all of human history. And we have most, of, most people a half a day off of work and a meal that we usually commit the sin of gluttony during. And we've done Easter. What are you guys doing next year for Easter? I don't know, we're gonna do the Easter egg hunt. Where do the Easter eggs come from? I suppose the bunny. Bunnies don't lay eggs, we know this. But it's like what we do, well yeah, but don't tell the kids. Why not? We have chickens, they gather eggs. The eggs come from the chickens. I'm not mad at the Easter bunny. I'm not. Why does this story matter? It matters because mankind has a chronic condition and everybody knows it. It's not just us in the church that know mankind's got a chronic condition, but nobody wants to talk about it. The world knows it's chronic. That's why everybody, live and let live. Just do whatever makes you feel good because we're gonna burn. Society knows this. Look around, everybody, it's just like, just kind of do your thing. We know it's bad, it's bad, it's spiraling. Either side of any aisle you wanna talk about, it's spiraling out of control. It's hopeless. The human condition on our own is utterly hopeless. We should just go do something fun until we're done. It's hopeless. It's a chronic condition. Romans chapter 3, we're going to read from 10 through 26. Jane, if you want to get that around. We're going to see why this story matters. Why what we just read changed everything. Have you, anybody here ever heard? There's, there's like two holidays. If you're only going to go to church two times, today's one of them. Like if you were going to look at the calendar and say, I don't know, we could go like July's not good. It's like there's a lot of water things going on. July's not good. And September's obviously not good because we got school stuff. And whatever. But we could go at Easter and Christmas. Jesus came and he was resurrected. If you're going to go to church two days, those are two awesome days to go. I'm excited if you're here joining us today. But I want to, my prayer is that when we walk out of here, when you walk out of here, wherever you've come from, 
Wherever you were this morning, wherever you were last night, wherever you were last week, wherever you were last year, it is my prayer that when you leave here, you know exactly why Easter matters and why it doesn't only matter a little bit. It's not just a, well, you know what, I kind of, we do the Easter thing. No, it matters for all humanity. It matters for the humans that believe in it. It matters for the humans that don't care about it. This is the most consequential day in all of human history that's ever existed. D-Day was important. This makes D-Day look like a kindergarten field trip. This is the most magnificent day for all of humanity, for Adam. Church, for Adam, the first man, this day is pivotal. Without this day, there was no redemption for Adam. You say, well, I don't know, Adam was from the Old Testament. It doesn't matter. He was not getting redeemed without Jesus, the second Adam coming. If you got your Bibles, and if you don't, they're going to be on the screen. If you got them, turn to Luke chapter 20, or we read that. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 26. As it is written, this is Paul writing to the church at Rome. He says, as it is written, written, quoting Old Testament scripture, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seek after God. They've all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable. Was this guy watching CNN or what? There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. This chapter doesn't get a lot of coverage on Easter Sunday. We're going to get to some good stuff. You might be like, Easter, really? Harry, hold on. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, if you're going to highlight one, highlight this one. Now we know that whatever the law says, anything that's written in the law, it says to those who are under the law, for what purpose? So they can try harder to be better. I don't know. This is the purpose. It says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Thank you, Jesus, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who what? Believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over all the sins that were previously committed. Forbearance. He's passed over all the sins that were committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The human condition on our own is utterly hopeless. We just read, Paul talked to, wrote to the church at Rome, probably churches, he wrote, the reason for the law is so we all know we need a savior. We're not going to stay on this forever because, as you know, it is Easter and we got good news. But I want to think about this. It's important to note 
And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard this metaphor. It's important to note that if a person is drowning, but they don't know they're drowning, it doesn't matter how many buoys you throw to them, they'll never grab them. You say, well, no, if they're drowning. No, you gotta know you're drowning before you grab for a buoy. If you think, no, I got this, I got this, and the lifeguard's like, you're sinking like a stone. Throw another ring. I got this, I got this, I got this. Until the moment when you realize, until you break over that precipice and you realize, I'm toast on my own. Until you realize that, you will never grasp, you will never reach out for salvation. It's important that we have the law. It's important that we know the law. Jesus filled the law up to its fullest extent while he was here. He taught details that the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had spent generations learning and studying the law, Jesus comes along and he says, you're doing this wrong. You think you're doing it. If any of you today or any of you have ever been in a place where you thought you could do righteousness, you're wrong. You never heard the law taught properly. The law, if it's taught properly, makes everyone what? What do we just read? Guilty. If you hear the law taught and you're like, I think I'm doing, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. You haven't heard it right. And that's why Jesus came along and he says, no, no, you think that if you kill your neighbor, you're guilty of murder. And I say, if you've thought about hate, oh, well, and the Pharisees, you can just see them sort of pull back. Like, that's not in Moses. Jesus like, that's the heart behind Moses for the purpose of you needing salvation. I can only save you if you know you need it. It's so important to understand that on our own, the human condition is utterly hopeless. We can try. There's anybody ever heard a sermon that was, you were confused whether it was a self-help class or a message about Jesus? I think this is mostly self-help. There's, I heard Jesus' name. Oh, no, it's just self-help. I've sat through messages. I've probably preached a fair bit of messages that are basically glorified self-help classes. They're glorified because you preach them in a church. It's still just self-help. It's like, try harder, be better. Try these three steps and you'll be a little bit better. Maybe, but by Friday you forgot them. I forgot them. I, and the irony is most of us that preach the self-help stuff, we're not helping ourselves with the things that we're teaching we're just teaching. It's like, you know what? You can find that stuff in Scripture, but it's not going to save anybody because we can't save ourselves. We cannot resurrect ourselves, make ourselves alive any more than a corpse can resuscitate themselves. You see, we were dead. We were dead in our sin. There's, it's hopeless. Anybody ever tried to quit sinning? You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> try to quit sinning, and if you try hard enough, you get real tired. Exhaust, I mean, you get exhausted. And then eventually you get to a point where you don't want to go to church anymore. Because like, I'm tired, and this isn't fun, and I'm not winning. And eventually you get to the point where you say something that sounds a lot like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I can't stop. I can't want to stop enough. Try harder. Try it. Run a little faster. Paul said I, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He had tried harder than everybody else. He still needed a Savior, which is why 
John 1, 29. Everybody memorizes John 3, 16, which is an awesome verse. It's an awesome verse. It's an awesome chunk of scripture. John 3 is one of my favorite chapters in all the word. John chapter 1, verse 29. When I got this verse, was the first scripture that gave me hope. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who covers up the sin of the world. No, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, nobody had ever been able to do this before. Up to this point, up to the point where Jesus died on the cross, no one had ever been able to take it away. The best that humans could do was to cover it up, disguise it, camouflage it, make a pile of dirt in front of it, try harder. Let's kick the guys that do it out of the town. Whatever's wrong, we'll just kick them out of the town. Well, then pretty soon you're kicked out of town. The best we can do is cover it up. Sacrifices that were given before Jesus were all just a covering. An An atonement sacrifice was a cover over. It's like, we're just gonna cover this up with the blood of bulls and goats. It's gonna run off in a year, so we're gonna do it again next year. We'll just keep covering it over, covering it over, covering it over until this moment, and we always read over this quickly because this is right before Jesus gets baptized, and we're focused on Jesus' baptism, which is awesome, but this moment changed all of human history. Behold, we read beholds because they're all over in the Bible, and we're like, behold, it's just like a connecting word. It's like the or and. In our English language, that's how we tend to read behold. Behold, stop, look. I was driving in Illinois last week and I came around some curves on I-80. First time I'd ever seen it. Some of you maybe have seen this. Um, The curve, you know, you always have the yellow sign with the black arrow. Like, hey, the road's curving. Well, I saw them in there lighting up. They got little solar panels. We finally found a great use for solar panels. They sit on top of the thing and they, they light up and they blink yellow. And as I was coming, I'm like, that's really handy. It just keeps blinking at us. It's like catches my eye as I'm driving. That's like a tiny version of what behold looks like. Behold is like, hello everybody. Has anybody ever been to uh, anywhere, well I probably shouldn't raise hands on this one either, where there's like a strobe light inside a room? Nobody raise hands? Maybe you've seen them on a snowplow truck. Trey, thank you for your honesty. (laughs) Those strobe lights, that's what behold is. It's a strobe light and then the lights come on. That's how big of a deal this is supposed to be. Behold, because you've never seen this and you'll never see it again. This is a one-time thing. Behold, stop, lights flash. Look, the Lamb of God who what? What's that? He covers over? No, this one's gonna take it away. This is the Lamb of God, not the Lamb from the herd out back. This is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. It's the most amazing thing that's ever happened for humanity is for sin to be taken away. Jesus comes. He says, I'll do it. I'm gonna step to the law. I'll fulfill the law. I'll fill it up so everybody knows that they're not righteous on their own. And then I will die for them because I love them that much. But you know, if that's where the story ended, our funerals would just be like this. Rest in peace. That's it. Sin's taken care of, we could just die in peace. 
I mean, still be dead forever, but you could just die and rest, hopefully lay there in peace because sin's no longer an issue, so it's over, but it's over in peace. But you know, as Christians, we don't, sin is, death has lost its grip. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna read. We got a lot, big chunks of scripture today and I figured, that, again, that was fine because we're coming to church and you guys, no one forced you that I saw to come in. There may have been people outside involved, but anyways. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 13 reads, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we all also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by children, by nature, children of wrath, just as others. But God. I have all the but gods highlighted in my Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Verse six, and raised us up together, made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near by the blood of Christ. Did anybody read in there that it's on us? That's a trick question. Everybody's like, were we supposed to get that? No. For by grace, which is unmerited, unearned favor, you have been saved through what? Faith. Our part is to believe Faith is defined as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's a belief. I haven't seen it yet, but we believe it. By grace through faith, we are saved. We are brought near by the blood of Christ. We were made alive. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Because you see, Jesus died on the cross he became the sacrificial lamb. He became what John prophesied, the lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again, celebrated this morning. So not only did he defeat death and hell, he also defeated the grave. He didn't stay dead, he was resurrected to become the first fruits is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. The first fruits, he's the first one that when he was resurrected, see, everybody else that had ever been raised from the dead, they died again. They're gone. 
Lazarus was raised again. Oh, that was great. But a while later, he died again. He didn't stay. Jesus never died. He defeated. He came back with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And that, my friends, is good news. We're going to read one more big chunk of scripture. And then we've got a few more points to talk about. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could just read that. Is everybody good? You want to, we could just go. Everybody write that verse down. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and now hope, it does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Verse six, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, and much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Today we celebrate with Christians all over the world the greatest day for all of humanity. When we understand our human condition, we become hopeless. But when we understand the significance of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, that hopelessness melts away in the face of tremendous eternal hope. Now there's a little chunk that we just read that gives everybody kind of the heebie-jeebies. We don't really like to read it. In the beginning of Romans chapter five, it says, now we glory even in tribulations. Ooh, that's got an icky feel. I don't really like tribulations. That sounds hard. Sounds potentially painful and difficult. But I, I saw this picture today. You know, Jesus said in this life you'll have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. He didn't say take heart so you won't have any trouble. Take heart for I have overcome the world. In this life you will have trouble. We're gonna have, there's issues. But what I wanna talk about for just a few minutes this morning is perspective. You see, I had this conversation with a few different people this week. If we're walking through this life operating in any level of fear, we don't understand the gospel. We've been sold a smaller version, a weaker version of the gospel than what it actually is. If we hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, preached with clarity and it, we understand it, there's nothing that can make us fearful. You see, the message this morning, what I, what I had desire for us to take away from this is what a simple principle, it's called faith righteousness. It's a simple, it's like, that sounds like a church word. Well, it is a church word. It's a couple of them put together. But faith is just what we talked about. It's believing something that we haven't all seen yet. How many of you always look righteous? Nobody should be raising their hand. If you are, we'll talk after church. Faith 
means we haven't all seen it yet. Righteous is a really cool word, and it's, not, it's become a church word, but it's not really. It's a legal right. It's the right to stand without accusation, knowing that any accusation brought against you is unfounded. The legal right to stand before God. And faith righteousness is believing that you have a legal right to stand before God when you haven't seen it yet. I don't see it yet. I don't walk perfectly yet. All of what we're looking at, what we're talking about, the key to making it to eternity and walking with Jesus for all of eternity is one thing. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's having and knowing you have faith righteousness. You see, and you're, you're st- still maybe this doesn't make 100% of sense to you. So I, wanna, I was thinking about something this last week while I was driving. And we're not going to talk about any of the legality of any of my driving or anything like that. But it, has anybody ever been driving when you maybe were a little, it was gray, whether you should be in that spot, behind the wheel of that vehicle, driving that speed through that intersection? Was that too vague? Has anybody ever broken the law in a car? That's a clearer, and some of you's hands should be up right now and you're sitting there looking at me. We've all done it. You ever driven with expired tags and you know it? It's one thing to not know it. I went like a year and a half one time in my, and I didn't know it. It was I wasn't deliberate. I was like, my dad's like, hey, your tags are expired. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, well, I guess they are. I gave them all the money they wanted when I went and got my tags renewed. But if you know it, you get this sort of funny feeling when you pass a cop. Martin is looking at me with this intensity right now. <laughs> Stop writing. This isn't notes here. There's a feeling that you have when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And I don't need it. Like, there's a thousand ways you can look at this. You could have consumed something you shouldn't have consumed. You could be hauling something you shouldn't be hauling. You, should be, you could be not licensed to drive. You could be in a vehicle that doesn't have license plates. You might not have proper insurance. You might not have your ID. There's a thousand things you could be doing. You may just be going 57 in a 55. And you kind of know it. And you glance down. It's like, oh, I'm fine, officer. See, I'm comfortable. And then it's, I think my speedometer might be off. I've never said that. I've just heard of people saying that kind of thing. But you know, when you're all good, when you're all good, see, I'm just going to tell you the the story that made me think of this. So I was driving a semi out to Illinois this last week to pick up some stuff and I was coming home and I have this like aversion to way stations because I feel like they just always find something. It's like, I'm not even heavy. The truck's not heavy. The trailer's not heavy. There's no, like, I think I should be good, but there's something. It's like, well, that one lug nut had a little oil on it, and so we got to looking, and it turns out your brakes are slightly out of adjustment, sir. They just always seem to find something. So I was coming up to where there was a a way station, and I happened to know where the way station was, and I happened to know another way to get to where I was going. And so I took the other way, and as I took the other way, the Lord's kind of like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just don't want to have a conversation that I don't want to have. And it hit me. That's how we live when we don't know we're righteous. We live just like that. It's like, I don't know, like, there's no peace. My whole body was half tense until I got back on because while having a breakout of adjustments a bad deal, driving around the way station is also not a great deal. And it's, so you just sort of like, I'm not real sure about this. 
And I thought, that's Christianity so much of the time because we don't know how righteous we are. We don't know what Jesus did on the cross. We don't know what he did in the grave and we don't know the significance of him rising again and ascending on high, making a way for us, making, going before you to make, build mansions for us. The significance of that. He's not gonna build a mansion for you if you're not going Folks, if you believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are 100% righteous. If you have not believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are zero righteous. Whatever of the Old Testament law you're keeping, whatever of the trying to be better, I think I'm gonna do that. We're not made righteous by our own actions. We were dead in sin. There's not a corpse anywhere that's ever resurrected themselves. We were dead in our sin. Jesus found us while we were yet sinners. He loved us enough to pay for us. I love that one. I love him so much. He's crazy right now, but I love him so much. I'll die for him. I'll die as him so he can live as me. Jesus didn't walk around fearful. He was at peace. No matter where he was, no matter what was going on, he was at peace. That's available for you and I today. We can walk in that. We can walk outside. And you know, I was having this discussion the other day with a friend. It's like, why? The world's spiraling out of control, isn't it? I'm like, maybe. I mean, it might be. It's been thought that before. It's been spiraling out of control before. And it's as a believer, that can't knock us off center. Because if the world spirals completely out and we're all done and the world's not here anymore, Hallelujah, we are with the Lord. And we're here, and I'm talking, and I'm excited. And we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the gospel again. And this morning, I was sitting in the back before church started. I just, I desire to communicate with accuracy, that this is not, it's not a theory. This isn't a club. This isn't a, we're just gonna go through the motions. So easily we get to where, well, we live in Fulton County and we go to church on Easter Sunday. If we don't, then we don't claim to be Christians because we're not going to church on Sunday. This is not a tradition. It's become traditional, but this isn't a tradition. This is the biggest news you'll ever hear. You can walk out of here and get a call from your financial person and they can say, hey, your money turned into $10 billion while you were at church today. That news is less important than this news. It's less of a big deal. And you can be sitting there like, I'm not sure about. That's what I don't know how to communicate. I want to communicate this with such clarity that you understand this isn't my idea. This isn't a group of people's theory. This is legitimately what happened. Jesus was born of a virgin. Potential energy went kinetic and a baby was born. Never happened before, won't ever happen again. A virgin conceived and gave birth to the son of God and he lived a sinless life And he chose to die a sacrificial death, not to cover over our wrongdoing, not to cover over, and it's not even our wrongdoing, our condition of iniquity. So you say, well, I don't know if I've ever really done anything wrong. It doesn't matter. You were conceived in iniquity. 
When you were conceived, when the sperm and the egg got together, it's like there's iniquity, you're toast. But Jesus said, I love them so much, I'll die for that condition of iniquity. I will give them my right standing. Punish me like I'm them. Let them live like they're me. It's this exchange that took place. Paul writes about it to the church at Corinth. Our faith today isn't in some dead guy who lived 2,000 years ago. Our faith today is in the eternal, living King of kings and Lord of lords who loves us with a love so fierce he was willing to come to earth and be crucified in our place. You know the word crucified. It doesn't get a lot of airplay today either. I mean, we talk about it this week, but that's kind of about it, and it's a very church thing. You don't hear other people talk about crucifying somebody very often. And you know, crucifixion is the most brutal form of punishment, of torment, and of dying that humans have ever devised. The Romans were one of the most brutal uh, civilizations on earth that have ever existed, past or future from them. And they, Roman soldiers, they pitied the victims of crucifixion. Crucifixion got its own word. This word we're more familiar with. Anybody ever heard the word excruciating? You say something is excruciating pain. We're just like, well, that must be bad. It's the worst. And it means out of the cross. It's what excruciating means. It's the worst form of torment and pain. Jesus endured that for us. To go to the grave, wage a war on the powers of darkness, to rip the keys of death and hell and the grave from the enemy, and to be re resurrected victorious. He loved us enough to make a path for his beloved creation to be reunited with him for all eternity and our parts to believe. Our parts to believe. We got Christians running around trying to work for the Lord. I'm gonna earn this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try harder to be better and, I'm gonna, and, and the focus is all on us. How can I be better? Lord, what can I do to be better? Believe me. That's what he's saying this morning. The word, if you're hearing from the Lord this morning, it is this, believe me. Believe me. Our part is to believe righteousness by grace through faith. To enjoy a fear-free life, you have to know that you have a legal right standing with God. This is the big thing. Most humans, and I've discovered this, I'm gonna move this so I don't knock it over. I've discovered this in the last two and a half years. So the last two and a half years on this earth has been it's been an interesting two and a half years. And um, I, I travel around and work on stuff. And by the time you need a mobile welder guy there, your day's kind of fallen all apart. It's not, you know, people don't call me for like fun projects. It's like a major thing broke. Can you come and help me fix it? And it's interesting that in these conversations, the last two and a half, three years, people want to talk about faith. Like you can have their whole operation is ground to a halt because this one thing is broke. And if you start poking around asking about faith, They'll just shut stuff down and sit down in a chair. What do you know about it? And we just get great conversations. See, there's an awareness in humanity that eternity exists. Most people do not in their core level. Now you say, I know an atheist. That's another discussion for another time. I don't really believe in atheism. I'm not saying people don't try to, but I just don't really believe in it. Because the Bible says that God has put, placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. What God has placed in the hearts of mankind, we can't like, we're gonna extract that, I don't like that. Eternity is there, it's in our core being. It's down in there, you have an awareness. 
If you take somebody outside in the desert or out west where it's huge, big old sky and there's no city lights and you walk for a mile staring at the stars and then tell me there's no God, there's no higher power. Most people don't question the existence of a higher power. They may with their mouth, but with their down here. And you might be sitting there thinking, I know a lot of people that question. They question with their mouth. But I'm telling you, church, most humans do not question at their gut level the existence of a higher power. Most Christians, most people. What people question, and this is across the board, this is in the rows of churches, this is in the secular environment, in any row of any belief system anywhere, what people question, how am I going to shake out in eternity? That's what people question. Most people are not like, well, I just don't think there's anything there. They may say that, whatever, I don't want to argue about that. Most people at their down here level, church or unchurched, faith or no faith, secular or wherever you find the people, it's like, how am I, how is it going to shake down for me? Not certain. We're not certain about, because, you know, I didn't do the church thing for a while. How's that going to be? And it's like, well, I didn't know if I confessed all my sins, so will I, like, almost make it? And then it's like, oh, there's one you forgot. Toast. Or maybe I got it wrong and it's like with this whole thing and I don't even know it's a totally different eternity than what I was picturing and I don't know how I'm going to be. This is the question humanity asks across the board. And if you poke around and the people that you know and that you do life with, you'll find out that those questions are there. Which is why Jesus desires for us to know that we have a legal, this is why Jesus gave us a legal standing, the standing of being righteous. You are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, here, you guys question all of yourselves. I'm gonna give you my righteousness because can't nobody point a finger at Jesus and say, I don't know if he kept the law. No, no, he was perfect. I'll give you my righteousness, my legal standing with the Father, I'm gonna give to you. And I'm going to take your, just so you know, I'm going to take your punishment, your legal condemnation. I'll, I'll be condemned for you. You can be righteous for me. That's the best news in the world, church. And the only thing we have to do, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You want to know, well, how do you live like that? Spend time in the word. Find out what the word says about the person of Jesus Christ. And you will hear what he says about you. You will hear what he says about us. Righteousness is a legal right standing with the Father and it's not something that can be learned. It's not something that can be earned. It must be bestowed. That's a fancy word, isn't it? Bestowed upon. I like that word. When I was writing some of this, I'm like, I'm gonna, I was gonna say given. I'm like, no, I like bestowed because some of you are like, I'm gonna think about bestowed. Think about it for the rest of the day. It's not just a gift that's like, I don't know, here you go, here's, it is, there's a very, there's a formality to something being bestowed upon you. That's right standing with the Father, has, it's, there is a formality, Jesus went through it all. You're like, okay, well I don't know how do I get bestowed upon. Jesus did it. All we gotta do is believe. Like the Philippian jailer, he's like, he comes out, Paul and Silas, you know the whole story about the Philippian jailer? 
Everybody familiar with the story of the Philippian jailer? The jailer, Paul and Silas get thrown in prison. They get beat with rods and they get thrown in prison. The deepest, darkest part of the prison, they get beat and thrown in prison because they were sharing the gospel. And they had a, a harangment or whatever the next day. So they're like, what, what should we do? We're in the stocks here. Why don't we have a worship service? So they have a worship service. The thing falls down. They get all, they're all free. The jailer comes in. I'm renewing, I'm going over this fast. I know many of you know it, but I want to go over it quickly. The jailer comes back in. He's like, he's going to take his own life because he, the Romans will the next day. They're, it's like, I'm, I'm as good as dead. And then there, Paul calls out. He's like, no, 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 don't do it. We're all here. Next words out of that guy's mouth. What must I do to be saved. Paul didn't get out a list of things and say, well, you should try harder. I mean, what's your church attendance look like? Where are you at on justification? How about sanctification? Well, let's sit down. We'll do sanctification next. No, he said what? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's good news, church. That is good news. That's available for us. He said it's available for you, your whole household. Everybody, just believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could be saved. That's available for you today. If you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. Something about eggs. No, you're not here for eggs. You're here to hear the gospel. Righteousness is the legal right standing with the Father bestowed upon us by Jesus. Our only part in this right legal standing is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Worship team, you guys can come forward now if you will. We're gonna sing a couple more songs. Every other option apart from Jesus for your righteousness and my righteousness, every other option was exhausted. It was exhausted. There was no other option available. Like we could try something, it won't work. It was already tried. It was worn out. The law was exhausted. It was both tired and done. It can't make you right with the Father. Our part in faith righteousness is to believe. To believe that Jesus was righteous for you that he died as you, and that he gave you, bestowed upon you, legal right standing with the Father. What's our reaction to this good news? Is the magnitude of this news what animates our every word and every thought? Do all of our conversations gravitate to this reality? Does the reality of the resurrection and all that it entails animate every facet of our existence? If not, and even if so, I encourage us to spend a little time and think about this. Think about this new covenant. Renew our minds, what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. Renewing your mind, making your mind new again to this reality of having a legal right standing with the Father. If we understand this, like we've done this thing, and this I struggle with this. We're doing this formal church. This is good, we're here. We got Easter supper, lunch, whatever afterwards, and we got work on Monday, and by work on Monday's lunchtime, it's like 
yeah, like we did Easter, it was fun. Like we had a good message at church, it was fun. Talked about faith righteousness. I desire to communicate accurately. This is the biggest deal you'll ever hear. Every conversation, every person that you ever interact with, every human you ever interact with, every person I ever interact with has a need for this legal right standing with the Father. There's no other way. Jesus said, there's no way to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. That was Jesus' words. This is the only way. There is no other way. You could be like, well, I don't know. You do you and I'll do me. If your you is not Jesus, it won't work. If the people you interact with, it's like, I don't want to push my religion on. You don't have to push. This isn't religion. This is relationship. And you don't push it on them. Offer it to them. Let this transform your life. Renew your mind to the greatness and the magnitude of this gospel. And your life will be unrecognizable. You won't even look like the same person. I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm more excited about the gospel than about any other thing. It's greater than any financial downturn. Greater than any sickness. Greater than any attack, military or otherwise. Greater than any success. Say, I don't know, I know some big success stories. You don't know. There is not a success story that is, has the capacity to save mankind. They don't exist other than Jesus. Jesus isn't, this gospel isn't just for all of us that are living today. All the way back to Adam, all the way to the end of this thing called time, it's available to everyone to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to carry it. We get the opportunity in front of us to represent this, to be what Paul called an ambassador of the gospel. We get to go, it's like, okay, do we know, and this is why I think about this metaphor so much about ambassador. Paul calls us ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Do we know, if we were to be ambassadors of Fulton County, would we know, okay, what's the county seat? Um, what are, like, what's a primary industry? Is it we are agrarian society? What do we know about Fulton County? Could we represent it? The same, can we go accurately represent this gospel? Represent Jesus in our workplace, in our families, in our relationships, not from pressure. Like, this is what I struggle with saying. It's because I don't want anybody to take this away and like, okay, well, the preacher said try harder to tell more people about Jesus. No idea. I want to convey to you, this is the biggest news you'll ever hear. Not because I said so. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm a drop in the bucket. I'm, it matters what the Word of God says. Ultimate truth has ultimate consequences. Ultimate truth has ultimate consequences. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what a priest in some other church says, a pastor in some other church, what your small group Bible study said. It matters what is true. Because when we get to the other side of this life, you don't fill out a form and say, well, this is kind of what I did for truth. And then the Lord's like, oh, okay, well then we'll just change reality for your truth. This is the only way, the only truth, the only life is the person of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one who said, I will stand in for them. And then he asked his disciples, he commissioned them. And us today, we are commissioned to go into all the earth to represent Jesus to carry him accurately, 
to carry this new covenant with passion, to display it for all around us so that when we're, the world's on fire, you want to you wanna get somebody's attention. And I'm not talking about play acting. You want to get somebody's attention. You have peace in the middle of a storm. You see the world is on fire and you can calmly walk through the world. People will say, what's the matter with you? Absolutely nothing. I'm right with the Father. How about you? It's not self-righteousness. It's faith righteousness. If you would join me and stand, I'd like to dismiss us this Easter morning with a declaration. We declare with all the saints of all time that Christ is risen. We believe in his sacrifice for our right standing with the Father. As the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus, we choose to hold our heads up high and to step out with the boldness of a lion this morning, knowing that in Christ Jesus, the promises of God, all of them, they are yes and amen. While we know that this natural earth hasn't been fixed yet, we'll face difficulties and hard things. We declare with the Apostle John that greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world. The greatness of this salvation far surpasses anything this world is capable of. And with that in mind, we go from this place this morning full of hope, confidently expecting to see and experience the goodness of the Lord. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I invite you to stay and worship. I'm going to pray for us, and then when they're done singing, we'll be all done. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus, for the magnitude of this new covenant. Lord, I thank you for the reality of this new covenant. This isn't something somebody dreamt up or just wanted to be true, Lord. Thank you that this gospel defies logic and defies self-righteousness. Gives us the opportunity, all of us, the opportunity to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we can say with the criminal on the cross, I believe. We can hear Jesus say, surely today you will be with me in paradise. Lord, I thank you that our resumes don't make the trip. No matter how good we are here or how bad we are here, our resume does not make the trip to eternity. Thank you so much, Lord, that Jesus exchanged his righteousness for our condemnation and gave us the free gift of salvation by grace through faith. On Every man who believes. Lord, I just pray that faith would well up on the inside of each believer here. Father, if there's anyone here doesn't know you, that does not understand with clarity they have a legal right to stand before you one day, that they'd have the courage to seek one of us out, worship team, myself, any of the elders here, Lord, I just pray that we would be able to put that to rest once and for all. Thank you so much, Lord, that you are always and only good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.